if you're sitting at the bar and you do not have your phone with you, I mean, do you do? You, I, I understand if like there's a blues game on the TV or something like that, and you have something to watch that doesn't you know doesn't make you feel that mo- that uncomfortable. But if there's not, what do you look at? And I think that's I think that's where the phone comes in. It like it makes people more comfortable by not having to feel like they're being creepy by like looking at people and stuff like that in a place because uh, they can just look at their phone and you know just eliminate that from their head. Yeah, you're right. And to take that a step further, our brains are not stimulated by other human beings anymore. That's true. They're they're stimulated by the content that we can get. I mean, right here in my hand, I hold a billion possibilities. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I really do. And we don't even use this stupid thing to communicate anymore. You know, it's, it's a, it's a computer we have. It's a, it's a search engine, uh, entertainment. It's a little box of entertainment and stimuli, stimuli, you know, uh, for, for our brains, you know? So yeah, like to what you're saying, if you're the person if you're the person sitting at the bar trying to be stimulated by conversation, just forget about it. You look weird. You are weird. Hey, CEP listeners, thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio from the CEP Network. If you like what you hear, do us a favor and hit that subscribe button and give us that five-star rating on whatever streaming platform that you stream your podcasts on. And while you're at it, give us a like and a share on the socials and tell all your friends about the show. In this episode, Patrick and I chat about the Maryland cyclist who assaulted teens over protest flyers. We discuss Drew Brees' remarks regarding the protests, and we break down some of the UFC 250 card from Saturday night. If you would like to get a hold of Patrick Blair or myself, do not hesitate to reach out on the social medias. You can reach us on the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. And if you have any topics you'd like to hear us cover about music, sports, or pop culture, email us at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, everybody. Thank you for either coming back to another episode of Raised on the Radio, or new listeners, I'm glad to have you too. I am your co-host, one of your co-hosts, Cole Brocato, Patrick Blair, in Skypeland, as usual, sipping coffee, not Zevia this morning. Coffee this morning. And apparently but, uh, and apparently has a bone to pick with me because of the coffee that I'm drinking? What What's going on? Well, you're drinking coffee. You said you don't, you don't drink coffee. Not, no, no I, not normally, I don't. So I saw you post a picture of Death Wish. I did. Which welcome to the club. It only took you two years, three years to join. But so, well, your entire life to be a coffee drinker. But then the Death Wish Club. This isn't what so, you. You don't drink Death Wish, do you? I from time to time. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Um, wait a second. Do you do you do the like the K pods or do you do a whole like actual grounds? Um, see, here's the thing. I care about the environment, so no, I don't do the little pods. I get the grounds or the beans, and then I grind it up myself. Start caring about something for once, would you please? Do you know how douchey that just sounded? <laughs> it's the most woke thing you're going to hear out of me all day. Um, no, I don't do the pods. No, okay. we, we do not brew coffee that way. I, I find it interesting that you never drink coffee and then you came into the coffee world drinking one of the stronger coffees you can get. I just find that to be 
what was what was the motivation behind you? And we don't have to spend an hour on this because this could be boring. <laughs> but what was the motivation behind you starting with Death Wish? I'm not necessarily. I still wouldn't consider myself a coffee drinker. This is still just probably an every once in a while thing. May, well, for one reason, because of how freaking expensive Death Wish is. Uh, it's not cheap. But uh, it more of a. I don't know. I like caffeine, and. You know, you know just as well as anybody that if you drink a lot of caffeine, your body gets used to it. And yeah. when you drink rock stars or you drink energy drinks and stuff like that, your body just kind of gets, you know, tolerant of what you're putting in it. So, if I'm going to drink coffee, it's gonna I you want the I can't stuff. yeah because I can't drink a whole a whole pot of coffee like you can. I'm not the biggest fan of coffee in the first place. And when you're only getting like maybe a hundred gram or hundred milligrams of caffeine in one cup of coffee, versus I can get six hundred milligrams in one cup of coffee at Death Wish. Yeah, so I don't you're, know. you're you're very perky this morning, so I can tell you've Thank been you. drinking Death Wish. Actually, that was my it first. That was my first sip. Oh yeah. Uh huh. But you so never mind. This is so you're drinking it for the caffeine, not for the taste. Clearly, yes. you're, you're one of those one of those guys. Yes, absolutely. Okay, well, next time, don't get the pods. Care about something, you know. Of all the things going on, the least you can do is not pollute the earth with those pods. It, are, are, you, are you done being woke now? Is that it? I mean, can this is just move, me. Dude. Can we move this, on? This, from is, that? this is just me. <laughs> it is a good day though, because that uh, that douchebag that assaulted the family on the bike trail got arrested. You yeah. know that story? Yeah. There is, there are so many things. I had so many visceral reactions to that video that of course I had to say them out loud to my wife. And I'm sure she's again, really? <laughs> but I, I had my first, okay, this is, and I, I, I went through so many internal battles on this one because uh, for the one millionth time on this podcast, yes, I'm about to be a first-time parent, so I think about things differently now. So my first reaction was, I wish a motherfucker would do that to me on a bike trail with my kid, <laughs> right? Um, that was my first reaction. And that's always the sort of like, you know, I, I'm not a tough guy by any means, but as a... Uh, I know my dad would would feel the same way. I know my wife's dad would feel the same way. They would just beg someone to do that while they're they're with their kids, right? Uh, and I know um, uh, most of my friends would feel that way. That would be their sort of initial reaction to it. Then I started going through the horrors for that little girl and what that must have been like. Because that guy, I, I, you know, in contrast, you know, the lady was small. It felt like the guy taking the video was small. That was a big dude, all things considered. So then I, my heart started just hurting for that little girl and how like traumatic that must have been for her. Her mom's screaming, this grown man's walking up to her, touching her, which again, please touch my child while I'm standing there. Like, so this is the problem that I had. One, the guy, guy, the, the guy assaulted a family. And, and of course, it was George Floyd related. He didn't want them putting up posters honoring George Floyd. So he's... He's just an all-around world-class douchebag. We we don't need to we don't need to debate that. But my problem was is why is this dad? And you know I had to like talk this out with my wife because in the moment when I'm watching this for the first time, I go, why doesn't that dad put the stupid phone down right. and protect his child? Right. 
And then so her and I sort of had a debate about it. And she goes, well, honestly, that's probably in 2020, that's probably better protection than him getting into a physical altercation with that guy because that guy is going to get arrested. If that dad puts down the phone and hurts that guy, the dad gets arrested and the guy probably gets off, right? Yeah. I've seen it a million times. I've seen it a million times. Did you ever see your dad get into a physical altercation as a child? No. Okay. I have. It's 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 a it's a scary thing on so many levels, and luckily nothing happened to him. But uh and again, I preface all of this with I'm not a tough guy by any means, but I was raised to sort of protect yourself and protect your family at all costs. Right. Not at all costs, but within reason. So, you know, I also do have a brain and I'm a semi-educated person, so I know when to draw the line and whatever. But so that was like her, her, her response to me was, well, that's probably better protection in these days than that guy erupting and going after the guy. I said, that's all fine and well, but my first reaction when any sort of confrontation is happening to me is not to pull out my phone and start filming. It right. never is. Right. It never has been. It's never going to be. Right. Now, maybe that'll change in about four weeks when my son is here, but I would much rather my wife be the one pulling out the phone. And that was the other question. And I go, why couldn't the wife have pulled out her phone? Why couldn't he have handed it to her? Like, there's a, there's a line you have to draw in the sand where you protect your kid from harm. You know, and the guy and look, you heard the guy's voice on the on the on the, the video. He didn't seem like a guy that knew how to handle confrontation at all. Right. And uh, I'm not I'm not trying to speak negatively about the poor guy. He's been through enough. But look, I'm smiling when I say this, but you can tell yeah. the guy does not know how to protect him or his family right. himself or his family. So I my my heart just hurt for everyone involved other than that douchebag. So that's why it's a it's a joyous day that that scumbag got arrested, and I believe I just read that he lost his job. Oh wow! He works for uh, like an advertising firm or something like that, and he's actually kind of like a big deal for them. So they were like, "Look, this does not represent our company." They had to put out like a public statement saying this does not represent our company at all. This and that, and good for them, you know. And that that should happen, but you know, I don't know what. What sort I mean, you don't have kids, but so what sort of emotion do you feel when you see a video like that? Is it like me when I initially I'm like, hey, dude, put down the phone and absolutely. go kick that guy in the balls. You know, like, what are we doing? You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But to be honest with you, I hadn't thought about it the way that your wife thought about it, I don't think. Especially in the moment, that's not that would not be my first reaction. And it it saddens me honestly to know that that is somebody's first reaction when their kid is in harm's way to videotape it. I yeah. I don't I don't I don't understand that. I don't have kids, but I still don't understand that. That should not be your first reaction. And if it is, we have an issue. Yeah, yeah. Well, think about it this way. I I think the reason she said that is because with all that's going on right now. Everyone's sort of being told you need to record everything at any time of the, any moment, any interaction, because you just have to, because it's, it's sort of the, the, the benefit of the doubt is not being given across the world right now. Right. Without right. some sort of evidence, you know, physical evidence being presented, 
you know, no one's given the benefit of the doubt anymore. So now people are being told any interaction you have with the police, pull out your phone, start recording. Any interaction you have with someone from a different race than you, pull out your phone, start start recording. And you know what? When my wife said it, I, I didn't disagree. I just said, well, look, man, that's his child. Right. Not my first reaction, but it does make total sense, man. It does, but it, it, just it, this day it and age, but it still scares me that that is 100%. apparently becoming a normal thing now. That video, I don't even think it's becoming. Vi- I think it's a normal thing. Th- that's what I'm saying. That's scary. Yeah, I agree. Man. But I can, I, I, can, I can tell you, I can tell you right now, I do not live in a place where that is normal. <laughs> that guy's getting his ass beat before anything. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And believe me. And yeah, look, if that had happened. On the street in my parents' neighborhood, I know for a fact that guy, believe me, if it weren't someone in my family, one of the neighbors would have whooped his ass. Yeah. You know, someone would have come. You know, there was no one else on the trail. There, there was no one else there. So I get that the, the circumstances are, you can paint this picture however you want. The circumstances right. were different for that father and his family. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, believe me, I, when I'm saying it's normal, I'm saying it's normal uh, on social media, it's it's the normal sort of lesson being taught right now, given what's going on, and just um, well, look, man, people have their phones out. We're we're addicted to these things. Yeah, you know, I got it three inches from my face right now. I don't even need it, right? right. It's just always there. It's we're they've taken over our lives. But if yeah, it's it but funny. if it's so, not there, your heart's racing, and you're wondering where in the hell it is. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's that bad for me personally, but no, I know what you're saying. Well, I try to make it a point to not pull it out in public settings now. And I've, I've, tr- I've been trying to be that way, honestly, for the last couple of years. Uh, you know, my wife and I went to the doctor's office the other day, right? Mm-hmm. And the waiting room wasn't full, but there were people in there. Every single one of them had their face buried in a phone. And it was the first observation I made, other than the mask thing, which we I don't need to go on a rant about that again, but... It was the first observation I made, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not touching my phone the entire time I'm here. Hopefully they pay attention and see that, you know, I, and it doesn't matter who, the, who am I. Um, well, no, they're, no, they're not going to pay attention. They're not looking at you. They're looking straight down. <laughs> I, but I, these are the things that I think about all day, and this is what makes me a, a, a psycho. But I, I wonder who is noticing me not looking right. at my phone. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think people genuinely of some, some, at some point along the way have thought that. Well, because at one point that was reversed. If you were the oh, one yeah. that was on the cell phone and everybody else in the room wasn't, they're looking at you because you're the one that's on a cell phone. You're an asshole. Yeah. But now you're not an asshole. You can be at a dinner table with your family. Everyone has their phone. You know, when I go on the road and I'm sitting at a bar, for instance, and, and this is me being by myself, I still like, do I need to have this out right now? Because everyone else does. And then I just do that little social experiment where I don't have it out and I just kind of like, I'm wondering, like, what do people think about me? Do they think I'm a, a weird? Like, they probably think I'm a weirdo right. sitting at a bar by myself, no phone out, just staring at the, the TVs on the walls. Or like, they're probably like, this guy's a child molester or a rapist or a serial killer. What is happening? But don't, but don't you feel really weird? Like, if you're sitting at the bar and you do not have your phone with you, I mean, do you do? You, I, I understand if like there's a blues game on the TV or something like that, and you have something to watch. It doesn't, you know, doesn't make you feel that mo- that uncomfortable. But if there's not, what do you look at? And I think that's I think that's where the phone comes in. It like it makes people more comfortable by not having to 
feel like they're being creepy by like looking at people and stuff like that in a place because uh, they can just look at their phone and you know just eliminate that from their head yeah you're right into take that a step further our brains are not stimulated by other human beings anymore that's true they're they're stimulated by the content that we can get i mean right here in my hand i hold a billion possibilities yeah right you know i i really do and we don't even use this stupid thing to communicate anymore you know it's it's a it's a computer we have it's a it's a search engine uh entertainment it's a little box of entertainment and stimuli stimuli you know for for our brains you know so yeah like to what you're saying if you're the person if you're the person sitting at the bar trying to be stimulated by conversation just forget about it you look weird you are weird go now, sit at a now, now now tell me that when you've got a poop the first thing you don't try to find is your phone oh it's, it's 100 100 <laughs> Unless, unless you're one of those creepy folk that have like newspapers sitting on the back of the toilet. I don't like how you said, poop. <laughs> what are you, six years old? Just say shit. Um, uh, no, I, I actually, I heard a joke from a comedian one time that said, uh, he said, I just started meditating recently. And then he was like, and by meditating, I mean, I had to take a poop and I forgot my phone. <laughs> and and it, it really makes sense. It's like, I what do you think? You know, you have to actually like be alone with your thoughts while you're pooping. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. That's weird. Um, <laughs> occasionally, I will grab a book if I know it's going to be a bad situation, meaning it's going to take time. But yeah. Do you think, um, you know, I never, I guess I never really thought about this. Do you think that that's an issue for a lot of people now uh, as far as, you know, if you, if you, and I don't want to get sad or mad or with this, but like people that have demons that they deal with inside their head, you know, we all have known people. We've all known that people have lost their lives from that, that kinds of a thing. You know what I mean? But I mean, do you, do you think that social media and phones helps them stay away, you know, kind of stay out of their head? For a very short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah, as, for as long as their attention span will let them, which again, I think we, um, I think it's sort of been, it's been proven that it, that's why we do it is because our, our attention spans get shorter and shorter and shorter with each generation. And, you know, as technology evolves and the way we communicate changes and evolves. Yeah. I mean, but I don't think it helps. I don't think it's yes, but for a short amount of time. Gotcha. I'm you not know? saying that's a healthy thing. I'm just saying that it, sure. it it's an outlet to get outside of their head for a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think it's good to live inside your own head. Yeah. If you know how to get out of it. Right. If you don't know how to get out of it, yes, it can be dangerous. And I believe me, I've, I'm a person who has been trapped inside my own head for a long periods of time and it was not fun. So, but we don't need to go into that sob story or down that like you said dark road but yeah yeah I, so again back to the guy you know where did that take place i don't remember bethesda maryland maryland okay which i found to be a little bit interesting just the the geographically where that happened i i don't know why i assumed this i assume that maryland as, as a whole as a state is a more liberal place i don't know it, what it feels that way doesn't it 
I, I mean, I've been there. It felt that way when I was there. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, but then again, Baltimore's there. Baltimore's had a rough history. Yeah. Yeah, rough. That's that's an understatement. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, like, if I think about, say, the Baltimore Ravens, for some reason it, it doesn't click in my head that that's from Maryland. Maryland just seems like a nice, quaint state for me for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> Crab cakes and football, that's what Maryland does. Yeah, um, I, I guess. Uh, yeah, I, but so, back to the guy. I, I mean, I just found it interesting and, and insightful the way that my wife explained that to me. Um, and it got me thinking about it, you know, and, and it just made me, uh, well, it, to be honest, it, it made me get inside my own head for a little bit and think about how am I going to react to these situations if I'm in them moving forward because of having a child. Um, but I did post, you know, to, to, get, to get away from the negative so much because I don't think it's healthy for me to live inside my own head and think about it put, even put that energy out into the universe and wish that upon my child. So I did post a video. God darn it. I, I let me find it. But I, I forgot who it was, but a guy, you know, you see these videos all the time where a uh, professional athlete buys one of their parents, something right. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know, it's a good, it's a good, it's a feel good sort of story. Uh, but yesterday, James Connor plays for the Steelers. Just posted a video of buying his dad a truck and his dad's reaction was just, it made you feel good. You know, so right. I, I I retweeted it and just said, you know, as a man who is about to bring a son into this chaotic world, this is the content I need right now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, just made me feel good. You know, um, it's just a cool story. So I love I love seeing those things uh, after sort of having the internal battle after reacting to something so negative like that story in Maryland. You know, it, um, that when it comes to scenarios like that, when you have a, a guy who buys a truck for his dad or a house for his parents or pays off his parent, their parents' house or whatever, those stories, you know, you know, 100% are genuine and they make you feel good. The other sides of those stories that you don't know, I mean, I guess they're, they can be genuine. I'm not saying they're not, but like when you hear about an athlete or a celebrity donating this amount of money to this charity or something like that. It can be, it can be tricky because like, you know that it's coming from a genuine place, but you also know that they're getting publicity from doing that. So it can be a double, you know, a, I don't know. It, it can be, it, they can be doing it for the right reasons or the wrong reasons, regardless of how, what the reasoning is for them doing it. It's a good thing because they're still giving money to a good place. But you, I always think about that. Like, is that a genuine thing, or did they do that because they knew they were going to get good publicity off of it? Uh, yeah, you're not alone when you think like that. Believe me. Um, there, yeah, I mean, a lot of many, many athletes, celebrities, whoever, uh, get accused of doing it for the attention and the publicity. I don't know, man. I, I've, I've wondered about that too. So this is kind of, it's kind of odd that I thought. Well, it just made me think about it, but. You know who Henry Rollins is, right? Yeah. So this goes way this goes way back. I don't even remember what I think he was on a radio show or I don't was doing a, an interview with someone and he was talking about someone brought up someone brought up U2 and talked about all of the 
charities that Bono gets behind, right? Mm-hmm. And Henry Rollins went on this long rant about how it's not genuine. He does it for all the all the wrong reasons. He loves the attention. All you hear is about, you know, he has to, the, the television cameras need to be there when he's doing this, this and that. He went on this long rant and then he started bringing up people who, this person does this for charity, this person does this for charity. And oh, by the way, you didn't know that until I just said it because they don't want the publicity. Right. They just do it out of the kindness of their heart. Now look, he clearly doesn't like you two or Bono. <laughs> I think he made that very clear. But I've, I thought it was interesting him speaking on the people that do do it and don't do it for the attention. Well, how does Henry Rollins really know that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe they're not doing it on the level of a U2 or a Bono, but so I think it's always been, and I mean, this interview, this was back in the nineties when this, the, what I'm referencing. So I don't know, man, I, well, I, I think at the end of the day, I think it's up to the, it's, it's their thing. If they want to contribute to whatever charity whether the cameras are rolling or not, I think it's a good thing either way. Yeah, right. right. I, it, um, I, I know just me personally, I would hate the attention that that brings. I would just let, let me do it behind closed doors. And you yeah, know what I mean? But you're also not behind camera all the time. And I, I get it. You're not playing the game. You know what I mean? No, I, no, I, I get that. Well, that was the, that was the thing that I think was so interesting about this this whole Drew Brees thing. Mm-hmm. He's done so much for New Orleans, and he does so much for charity. And a lot of it you don't know about. It's not out in the open. So for him, I just thought it was like, for him to be so tone deaf with that statement he made and say what he said, because of all the things he's done, you would have thought at some point along the way, his brain would have went, right time to speak wrong time to speak yeah he's had that training whereas he's been in front of the cameras doing his charity he's been behind the scenes doing his charity he's worked with a diverse group of people along the way you would think he would have known when is a good thing when it's a good time to say your thoughts and your feelings and when it's a good time not to i just uh, for him to like still not know well, well first of all when to speak when not to speak right yeah then also not know what the kneeling thing was about anyway. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I haven't seen anything since he posted that. Has he tried to retract the statement or has he tried to apologize? He did apologize. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't see that, but still, man, I, um, there's, you know, there's more, there's different sides to it. And in his mind, when he posted that, he might've thought he was doing a good thing because he was, Kind of saying that he stands behind his country, which depend. He didn't say it the right way. If that's what he's think, if that's how he was thinking, but I I could see how that you know how that could be the situation. I don't like all the things that you just said. The good things that he's done, I can't imagine that he purposely, you know, said it to hurt anybody's feelings or to offend anybody. And if so, I don't think he would have apologized. I don't think he, no. Well, look, we're not going to know. I don't think he was the tone of it. And all I can do is I have context and my own perception. Right. Was the tone of it to be hurtful? No. But there was also a very entitled tone behind it 
what I heard. What yeah. I heard sounded very look. And people have come out and said it. And one of his own teammates, uh, Malcolm Jenkins. He, he, okay, you're talking about your own family, your own personal experiences, and what that means to you. Like you said, you stand by your country. Well, guess what? You're not the only one. Right. So to treat it like you're the only one is there's an entitlement there and a privilege. And I'm using air quotes there, a privilege that you just don't boast about right now, dude. It was just bad. It was just bad timing. Uh, wrong way to say it. It just, or I, to be honest, I don't think he should have said it because again, I go back to, you don't, you're not, what you're saying doesn't make any sense because that's not what the kneeling was about anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Actually, did I posted a really good video about the uh, the Marine that wor- would, was working with Colin Kaepernick when Kaepernick was sitting during the anthem. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Marine reached out to him, and Colin Kaepernick actually got back to him, and they had this sort of dialogue about, "Hey, what would be a better way to do this?" The Marine said, "Kneel, because we kneel for our fallen brothers, so you should kneel. It's a better sign. It's a sign of respect, not disrespect." Um, so for Drew Brees to still not know, right? What his own colleagues were kneeling for is just, it blows my mind because of all that he's done, because of the city that he plays for, right? It's just, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, just, there's so much about it that just just dug himself such a hole. You know, I, I think, I think about it. If you dumb it down to just like me doing the same thing, you know, I, I scroll through Facebook and see every person has to have a different opinion about everything. Yeah. And I have my own opinions, but I know that the second that I post any opinion that I have, no matter how non-biased I try to be or middle of the ground I try to be, somebody is going to spin it to be offended by it or something along those lines. So I just keep my opinions to myself which I don't know if that hurts or helps anyone because somebody might agree with my opinions, but I'm not going to start a confrontation that doesn't need to be started by giving people my opinions. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes you have to know when to reel them in. Yeah. But also look, I, I mean, what he said again, the, the way that I perceived it and the tone that I heard one, I, I, I didn't hear a hurtful tone, but I did hear an entitled tone behind it. And I also felt that was a rehearsed, sort of statement he made. I don't mean like he sat in front of the mirror or in front of a camera and rehearsed it and found what he needed to clean up. I just mean it was it was it was thought about before he did it. I don't think it was spontaneous, okay? I think it was rehearsed. I don't know how long he did it, obviously, but I'm I'm I it to me it didn't feel spontaneous. It felt like these were thoughts that he he had been having and he tried to to articulate them but to me in the in the completely wrong way. So I don't find it surprising that it got the reaction that it got. Right. Because again, he took it, he took a, he took something that's going on and tried to say, I'm important and no one else is bad idea. Right. Bad idea. You know, it's just so, so many levels of it were just not a good idea. But, um, I also don't. So like, so him getting the kneeling wrong and then I've so the, UFC 250 was last night, which I'm, you know, we'll get into. But the po- the post fight press conference when Dana was talking to the media, there was this media member who. And this is the thing that I can't stand about media, and 
so many of them ask questions in riddles now. And the reason that they do it is to try to get the person who they're who the question is presented to to stumble mm-hmm. and fumble the fumble their words and say something perhaps they weren't supposed to say. But he got asked this question about kneeling and is the UFC going to make a statement about kneeling because of all the other leagues and this and that. But the way that she worded it was so again, it was it was phrased like a riddle. Dana had to go, I don't understand what you're I don't even understand what kind of response you're trying to get out of me. And she finally just goes, Is the UFC going to make a statement about kneeling? And he goes, I've talked to my my athletes. They, my athletes are free to do whatever they want, right? And that's kind of how he he phrased it. The way that she asked it pissed me off so much, though, because again, she took she took something and and completely pulled it out of context, put it into a riddle, and then presented to him presented it to him to try to get him to say something wrong. Right. And the whole reason she did it, and and this is the thing, the whole reason she did it is because Devin Clark, who fought on the undercard. Um, kneeled during his introduction by Bruce Buffer. Gotcha. So I'm actually trying to find the story now and I want to make sure, but I believe that he knelt, kneeled, knelt. Is that the way you say that? I'm not sure. I think it's knelt. Oh, good. See, look at my English. I believe that he did that because his father was actually killed by police. Oh, okay. And And she said that. So she said Devin Clark, but this is what she did. She took this guy's personal experience and made this really powerful thing that he did into something smaller than her also important question. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it bugged me. It bugged me. She took this guy's experience and this guy's, this, guy's tri- this guy's trials and tribulations and the path that he's taking as a fighter and reduced them to something so small, all that also she could, A, look sort of quick-witted and smarter than Dana in, this, in the moment. It pissed me off, man. This is what we got every day. This is what we have every day. We have the media twisting and turning things into what they're not, pulling them out of context, you know, putting them into this little bubble that they try to, you know, they try to have the other person burst and get them in trouble. It, it drives me nuts. Yeah, that's one thing about the UFC and Dana White. I mean, there's a lot of things that Dana White says and does that I don't agree with, but the fact that when in post fight, conference uh yeah conferences and stuff he does not care how he comes across and he doesn't care to tell a a reporter listen just ask me the question that you want me to answer this is ridiculous and he's really the only one i know and it's great yeah it's the no-nonsense approach he has to those those people uh those people meaning those media members and look let's be honest He's going to have to deal with that quite a bit right now because the UFC is the only sports organization going right now. Right. So they're getting a lot of media members covering their events that normally would not be there. Right. Because there's nothing else going on, so they have to be there. It's how they're keep. It's how they're staying employed. Um. So you have your your normal group of MMA guys who always ask the same sort of questions, and I don't mean that as a bad thing. They know what to ask. They know what to ask Dana. They know what to ask about. They know what type of questions to ask to get a good response out of him. And then you have some of these 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 media members who just I don't know. I think all you need to do is watch one Dana White press conference and know that it's really easy <laughs> a to piss him off and b if he thinks your question is stupid, he's not going to answer it. Right. But yet they still go in there trying to make him step all over his words. It's not going to work with him. Right. It's not. It, it, it It's bizarre. 
I'm trying to find this story about Devin Clark. Sorry. Maybe that thing about his dad is made up. I'm sorry. I'm still going to keep looking. But anyway, <laughs> you don't see 250. So you didn't watch it live like I did, but I did what not. Was your... So the main highlights that I seen were from the Garbrandt fight and the Nunez fight. Uh, let's dive into Garbrandt first, though. He looked good, didn't he? Oh, my God. He looked really good. That's exciting. Completely. But, but before we get into it, I have a question. So did you watch the post-fight interview with Rogan? Um, with ESPN? Uh, I don't. Is it ESPN? I, I don't know. I don't know which one. You, it could have been anything. But well, let's just assume no. What did I miss? Anyways, Ro- Rogan had a post-fight interview with Cody Garbrandt. And he made the comment that now he's back in the top of the rankings. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Is that true? What do you mean? That he's back in the top of the rankings. How is that possible if he's coming off of three losses? Well, he was ranked ninth. He was still ninth after three losses in a row? Yeah. Damn. Okay. he's still in the top ten. Okay. So he was ninth. Asuncao was fifth. Right. So, I mean, he just... That's that that honestly could be knockout of 2020. Yeah. I mean, it, it, um, it if you see, haven't seen it yet, it seemingly came out of nowhere. I mean, not that he not that he didn't know what was going to happen. He knew exactly what the shot that he was going to take. But God, that was a powerful shot. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just the way that he he faked it. Uh, he threw the feint and had a sense out coming in. And I mean, it just he loaded it up from his kneecap. I mean, it was <laughs> Um, yeah, but no, he looks really good. Uh, took his time, was patient, didn't get into a brawl, um, picked his shots and he was really picking a sun apart. Mm-hmm. You can tell that, uh, the coaching change that he's made has really, I mean, uh, for now has made an impact on him. He didn't get emotional. And I think that was the biggest thing about the Dillashaw fights was he was so emotional. There was so much bad blood there. I don't right. think he knows how to fight emotional. When he fought Dominic Cruz, there was all this this trash talking leading up to it. And he didn't fight emotionally after all of that trash talk with Cruz. Right. With the Dillashaw thing, it was so per- – I, I think with Cruz, it was just a buildup to promote the fight. With Dillashaw, it was personal, and I think he you could tell. Um, last night – he didn't fight with that same sort of motion emotion. And look, man, the dude was an amateur boxer. He's got great hands. He's lightning fast. He know he has the skill set to be a champion again. He just can't fight emotionally. He can't bite down on his mouthpiece and get into brawls anymore. Right. He just can't. Uh look, I know the fans like it, and I know it makes him look like a badass and it makes him look it's fun to watch. But look, he looks just as good and he's just as fun to watch when he did what he when he does what he did last night. Right. You know, you know, I think maybe in me, not so much you as much, but I've, I've mentioned that, you know, he was coming off of three fights or three losses in a row. And that if he got a fourth loss and especially if it was a knockout, then maybe he needs to think about hanging up the gloves. Uh, but now after that fight last night, I, I kind of think maybe he needed things to go the way they've gone to kind of even himself out a little bit because he started out at like 11 and 0 coming in. Yeah. And he had yeah. some big fights like with uh is it Thomas Almeida was that first big one that he had with the both of them were undefeated. And then, you know, he had really big fights with Cruz and Dillashaw and stuff and so he just like skyrocketed off of that. I mean, maybe he needed something to kind of bring him back down to reality and those three fight losses might be what 
that might be what he needed to shoot him back up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's what he's been saying. He, he was saying that in the build-up to this fight, and then he said it last night in the, the post-fight interview. Um, yeah, I mean, look, if anything's going to humble a fighter, it's going to be three straight TKO losses. You yeah. know, uh, you lost your title. And he's been saying it. He's like, look, this is what I needed. I was 11-0. I was a champion at 25 years old. <clears throat> I had to go. I had to go down this road for me to get back to where I am now. Um, you know, you said it has a lot to do with his beard before we started the show. <laughs> I said, no, I think it has a lot to do with the coaching. And look, he went to a guy, Mark Henry, who's coached and been the lead trainer, head trainer for champions. He was Eddie, you know, Eddie Alvarez, Frankie Edgar. So I think it was good. He still splits time between he goes to New Jersey. He goes from Sacramento to New Jersey to work with Mark Henry and all of those guys, and then goes back to uh, Sacramento to work with the Team Alpha Male guys. So it clearly made an impact on his patience, his his approach, his game plan. So the bantamweight division just got a hell of a lot uh, more inter you know uh, much more interesting now. I mean, with him winning the way he did, Aljamain Sterling uh, did whatever he wanted to Sanhagen. I I, I was pretty surprised by that he he was got a he, first 10 seconds of the fight he's the aggressor takes his back chokes him out i mean it was flawless mm -hmm. um and dana said that he's going to get the next title shot uh the winner between jan and aldo um sugar sean o'malley walk off ko of eddie wineland i mean this dude eddie wineland is man, he's good man yeah he looks good now that was a step up in competition for him but i'd still like to see what happens when he fights Someone who's not, Eddie Wineland was 35, so I mean, it's not like he's that old, but someone who's younger, who has an all-around skill set like Eddie Wineland. Mm -hmm. um, but Eddie Wineland's been around a long time. I mean, he's been in some wars. So I'm not saying he was fighting a compromised fighter, but let's just call it what it is. He was fighting an older fighter who's been doing it a long time. Right. You know, that the, the, the durability might not have been there. But, and no one's, and, and Joe Rogan said it, no one's done that to Eddie Wineland. No one's knocked him out like that. So right. I think it's a combination of Eddie Wineland being his age and being through all the stuff he's been through with, you know, Sean O'Malley's got a lot of power and uh, his, the skills are there. So yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about the rainbow cornrows, but we'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, Neil Magny had another big win, man. He's a uh, 16 UFC wins. Damn. That's crazy. He's second behind George St. Pierre in welterweight history with 16 wins. Just keeps plugging away, man. I mean, just keeps plugging away. I, I don't, like I said, I, I talked about him on the last podcast. I mean, I don't know how you cannot be a fan of a guy who just fights as much as he does. And, you know, with all of the things going on about fighter pay and, and Dana's, Dana's response to these guys who want more money, they fight or they don't have to, they can either fight or they don't have to fight, you know? They're, do you, they're, do you they're think in a contract, that? But. Do you think that's the right approach for Dana to take? Not necessarily, but he's right. If they don't. I said this uh, on one of the previous podcasts. If they don't want to fight, they don't have to fight. They don't. You get offered fights, you can either accept or you don't accept. Um, my point is, you know, with all of these, these, you know, with John Jones, uh, Henry Cejudo, Masvidal, all of them asking for more money, you got a guy like Neil Magny who keeps his mouth shut and fights, right? Just continues to fight and continues to win. You know, I'm just saying there's, there, there's something there to be admired. 
behind what he's doing. Uh, if I would advocate for someone getting paid more, I would say it should probably be a guy who will just shut up and fight when you ask him to and will stay busy. And oh, by the way, is one of the all-time wins leaders for your organization. Right. There's an argument that could be made for a guy who should probably get paid a little bit more. But So what about, uh, what about Jones in the same situation? Do you think that Jones is validated by or should hell let me put it a different way should he i guess just should should he be saying what he's saying does he should he be getting more money for for fighting i mean he's undefeated technically is he so you're asking is he worth more money if is he worth what he's asking for to fight yes but, but but we all we, we also know that he could probably leave the UFC, go to another organization, make more money, and run through guys over there. But that doesn't I seem think, like it's an issue to Dana. Like he doesn't really care that much. Maybe that's because yeah. of Jones outside of the octagon antics that he's had. Maybe he thinks that that's a you know a, a bad look for the UFC anyways when he has fighters that's doing that outside of the cage. So I don't know. Well, I think that has something to do with it with John Jones, but I really think that Dana is I think Dana is calling John Jones's bluff. He's calling Mosfidal's bluff. I for real. Uh Conor McGregor announced that he's retiring last night. Um we've heard that before. Which, we've heard that before, but I also thought it was odd again these media members rolled it into and conflated it with John Jones and Masvidal asking for more, more money. Conor McGregor in a statement did not say anything about money, but they looped him into that conversation. He didn't retire because of money. At least he didn't say that. And Dana kind of responded like that was his, that's what sort of prompted Dana to respond the way he did. And he goes, look, these guys can do whatever they want. Plain and simple. Right. They can fight or they, they don't have to fight. It's up to them. So, but I got upset because again, media members take things out of context and, and, and try to make them try to take them for what they are and make them something else. Connor did not say he's retiring because he's not getting paid. And Dana White even said, he goes, look, I don't know how much money the guy's making off the whiskey, but his whiskey is selling. And I don't know how much ownership he has in that company, but I don't think Connor McGregor financially is in trouble right now. Right. You know, but I think he's calling their bluff to be honest. These guys that have moved to other organizations haven't necessarily done it for money. Their contracts were up and they were wanting to explore different options. Right. You know, now we've heard on podcasts and we've heard rumors that these guys are getting paid more money. Right. Mm -hmm. I, th I think Dana's going, okay, go ahead over there and show me that you're making more money. Go ahead. Well, but a go lot, of, but a lot of it is, I don't know that it's necessarily they're making more money from fighting from the organization, but sponsorships and things like that add the money it. into it. I get it. But look, at the end of the day, if if it were so great, wouldn't everyone just go do it? You know? Maybe. I don't know. At the end of the day. I also wonder I, what, I, I also wonder what these other organizations can afford. Well look at a guy like Cowboy, for instance. If it were so great somewhere else and you could make all this money off sponsors and doing all of these independent things beyond your fighting your fight contracts, wouldn't a guy like Cowboy go do it? A guy who's already got this massive popularity, this massive fan base built and already in place, wouldn't he just go do it and capitalize and and, and capitalize on what he's already doing? 
if it's that easy. That's he, what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. But, but for a guy like him, too, the two things you have to take into account is that he doesn't fight for money. He fights because he wants to fight and he loves fighting. And I think he has too much loyalty to the UFC and to Dana White. Okay. Maybe he was a bad... No, I agree with that. <laughs> Maybe he was a bad... I was just thinking of popular fighters. Well, look, I, yeah, okay. I understand where you're coming from. At the end of the day, I think I think Dana's calling their bluff. And let, let's see what happens. Do I think fighters should be paid more? Yeah. There's an argument to be made that they should be. But look, I think Dana White has made it very clear that he can go find people who will fight. Yeah. With the Contender Series, all that stuff, he's finding people who want to fight. And believe me, those those young fighters or those fighters who are looking for the next big stage of their career, while Bellator's great, one's great, you know, Ryzen's great, they want to be in the UFC. Yeah. Um, and I'm interested to see how it changes now that the Reebok deal is done. Where do they go from here? You know? Is it done? Heard, is heard, it done now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know the exact date of when it stops and like what's gonna happen. I need I didn't, but um I heard an interesting comment from I read an interesting comment from someone saying that their their merchandise their merchandising merchandising should go through Roots of Fight now. Oh really? I don't think I don't think Roots of Fight can handle it. I don't I don't think they're big enough, but I don't so you know, not, again, not, I don't know. They're not that big, are they? They're not, but that's an interesting concept because they make great apparel. They do, yeah, for sure. They, it fits within the business model and the the cultural impact that the UFC has on on well the worldwide. To be honest, right? I think it fits. I think it's a good fit. Um, but you know, we'll see. It, like I said, when it comes to pay, yes, I think they should get paid more. So I think it, we're going to have to wait and see how things unfold. And like Dana was saying in the press conference, he goes, the world is a crazy fucking place right now. We're just trying to keep everyone employed at the UFC. We're trying to get fights to happen. He goes, this hasn't been easy. So he goes, I don't know. You know, Again, the, the media members kept asking, like, why do you think these fighters are asking for more money? Danny goes, well, I don't know the exact reason, but the world is a crazy place right now. Everyone wants more money. Everyone wants to know when their next paycheck is coming. Everyone wants to be employed. But he goes, my prediction is that things are going to get worse. The economy is going to get worse. All of these things are going to get worse. So we're just trying to do what we can for our 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 base, right? Our our employees at the UFC, our yeah. fighters, this and that. So And I and I I understand where the fighters are coming from by wanting more money, but if you look at it from the other side, they're asking a company to pay them more in a really bad situation. I mean, they can't even have fans right now. Like, I'm not saying that the right. UFC is hurting, but what I am saying is that they are definitely not bringing in the numbers they they were four or five months ago. So it's he, not it's not the best time to be asking for more money from a company who's not making as much money as they were. You're right, but he did, he even commented on that, and he he said that. While that may be true, the UFC is garnering all of the attention that these other sports leagues would be That's true. would be getting. That's true. He goes, even though the numbers might be down, the views are there. He was yeah. talking about one of their, you know, their back their backstage live streams got, you know, the the girl who hosts it got seven million viewers for her live stream. She's not getting seven million on a regular basis. She's getting seven million because this is the only thing going on right now. Right. 
And it, believe me, I think at, in the, at the end of the day, the UFC benefits from that idea so much. I think that's why he fought so hard to get these events going. I think that's why there's going to be a fight island, which he said is he's going to make that announcement next week. So which I'm curious they, to see they, what that is. Which they bought, correct? He I, said that they didn't buy it. He said that they didn't buy an island. Oh, really? He said that like the middle of last week. No, he said that, they didn't buy an island. Do they rent an island? <laughs> I, I I don't think I don't think it's a matter of them leasing anything. I think it's them uh, finding a good commission to work with where people from all over the world can fight. I think I think that at the end of the day, I think that's what it's come down to. I, we'll I, see. We'll I, see next week. I think that Masvidal made said that in one of his statements was that the UFC can afford to go buy an island for us to fight on, but they can't afford to pay us more money or that's something how, like that. Yeah, that's why he responded like we didn't buy an island. I don't we people keep saying this, but we didn't buy an island. So we'll see. Yeah, um, we can't we can't end this podcast without talking about how Amanda Nunes is the goat. I was really hoping you were going to say that, dude. She is man or woman doesn't matter. She may be the most dominant fighter of all time in the UFC. It's close. It's close. I would still make an argument for a few people ahead of her, but yeah, I mean, she's without a doubt the greatest women's MMA fighter of all time. And she's one of the greatest MMA fighters period. She is the only one to ever hold both titles, right? Two titles. Woman. Women's. Yes. Yes. Okay. And she's the only fighter period to defend both. Right. Cause I know know Connor held both, but he dropped the one forty five with before, before he defended it. Right. Uh, Cormier never defended both. Cejudo right. never defended both. Right. So uh, she's she's something else, man. I don't know what else, who else she fights. Someone brought up Shevchenko again, and Dana kind of was like, I don't want to do that fight again. Right. She's already beat her twice. Right. He, he's like, and he goes, he, he goes, look, I don't think that's the best fight for uh, for Amanda Nunes. I also don't think that's the best idea for Shevchenko. He kind of he kind of alluded to that Shevchenko was going to fight Wiley after Wiley gets another win if she gets another win that he was going to try to make that fight at flyweight. So, which I think even during the MMA on the mic episode we did when Wiley fought Joanna, I think we even said that like, what's next for uh, Shevchenko or what next for Wiley? I think that's the super fight to make there. So, as far as Nunes goes, I have I have no, I I don't know. There's there's no one else. Right. There's no one else. You maybe do Megan Anderson at featherweight now. Just ha- there's okay, fine. There's another fight for you know. You know but what? It, at bantamweight, I can't think of anyone. You know that what? She would fight. What hurts me the most about it too is that she is in her prime and rolling over people, and you still see the excitement and how into this she is. Like she is yeah. not losing a step. If anything, she's getting better. And she's loving doing it. You can tell when they put that uh, title back around her waist again last night. She was out, you know, so excited about it. And right. and to and for her to know that she's on top of both divisions, not getting the promotion that she actually should be to be a face of this company. And she, where does she essentially go? I don't know. Right. But that fight last night, you don't. I mean, they went five rounds, so. But the decision was so widespread on every round, wasn't it? Like fifty to, like she got she got fifty in all rounds, didn't she? 
Yeah, I mean, there could have been. I don't think there were any 10-8 rounds, even though there probably could have been three 10-8 rounds. Um, so you definitely have to acknowledge the fact that Felicia Spencer won five rounds with the greatest women's fighter of all time. That's what I just, meant. I said 15 or all, all rounds, but I meant 10 in all rounds. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but there there was no quit in Felicia Spencer, but she, I mean, they probably could have stopped the fight after the fourth round. She was just, it was, it was, it's pretty, it got a little bit hard to watch. I, I think we've seen worse um, recently, especially with like someone like Anthony Smith. That was worse. That was harder to watch, but well, what, yeah, about, I mean, what about it, the it what is, about the cyborg and Holly Holm fight? She lasted five rounds of cyborg, right? Are you talking about Spencer? No, Holly Holm and oh. cyborg. Yeah, Holly, Holly Holm went five rounds with cyborg. Yeah, right. That wasn't as bad as last night. It wasn't. No, no. But Felicia Spencer too. I mean, she went the three full rounds with cyborg, and I really think that's what earned her a title shot. To be honest, I think she won over everyone's uh, respect when she did that. Uh, she, she's skill. She's got a lot of skills. She clearly is game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Nunes is just too good. Yeah. She's just too good. I, I, you know, we, we talked about it on the last podcast. Like, why isn't she sort of the superstar? Why hasn't the UFC been able to make her a superstar? I have my own theories. I also, I didn't say this on the last one, but I, you know why, why else? I just think she's too nice. <laughs> she's too good of a person yeah she just feels like she just, you know what i mean like she just she just feels like a sweetheart even though she knocks people dead and just ruins people's but do, lives but with her doesn't hands. it doesn't it seem like, like doesn't it seem like this would be the perfect time to make her your face with everything that's going on yes yes but it won't happen maybe maybe we'll be if wrong maybe we'll be wrong i hope maybe wrong. maybe they I will hope I'm wrong. maybe um, maybe tomorrow she's the biggest superstar on the planet we'll see yeah, I, I, because, I read... because as you said, no other sports organizations have really anything going on right now. So if they are bringing in more people and they are bringing in at least the same numbers, if not more now, maybe we'll get more eyes on her, hopefully. Yeah, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I hope I'm wrong. And I hope you're right. I read an article. I got halfway through it because the article kind of. Imagine that an MMA <laughs> journalist pissed me off, but I, I read half of an article and it was actually discussing what we're talking about. Like, why isn't Amanda Nunes a superstar or what, what about her? Why is there no star power there? Why, why doesn't she have the appeal? And I don't remember who wrote the article, but he was talking about, she's not cool. Like her tattoos aren't cool. She wears that lion, that lion, uh, mask, you know, during weigh-ins, which looks like basically just said she's not cool. And I, I just thought it was a little bit overly critical of her, and I thought it, I thought the writer was kind, kind of being a douchebag by saying those things. Like, her tattoos aren't cool. Okay, so that's why she's not a superstar. What are we doing? What are we talking about? Really? You know who else's tattoos aren't cool? Conor McGregor's. He's the biggest star the UFC has ever known. I so, can't, I can't, what does that mean? I can't believe you didn't mention Hardy. <laughs> who? Hardy. Wasn't, Hardy. Oh. wasn't it Hardy that had the... <laughs> The next time I see Greg Hardy, that tribal <laughs> tattoo better be filled in. Um, God. Um, no, so I just thought the article was disrespectful to Amanda Nunes. I get, I get where the guy was going with it, but come on, that's that's lame. I, I just don't think that's it. I think it, it's a, I think it might have a small part to do with it. Where okay, dickheads like you don't perceive her to be cool, don't see her as cool, but. Yeah. That, that's, our, our, where, that's where I think media like that gets out. 
they they base things off of their own opinion, which I get it. They're the ones that's writing the piece, but they base right. things off of their own opinion, expecting that the masses of people are going like they agree with what they're saying. And that's why they put that article out. It's 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 dumb. I just think sometimes your opinions you should keep to yourself. And I think that's one of those. I just, but that's not what sells. That's not what gets clicks. So, right. Uh, unfortunately, I, you know, I don't, I, that guy may not think she's cool, but would a 16 year old girl who's getting into MMA and perhaps training, do you think she looks at Amanda Nunes and goes, God, that girl's not cool. Right. I think she thinks she's awesome. Like, right. you know what I mean? I think she thinks she's the epitome of cool. So I don't know. I, I don't know. Same with, I don't even think it needs to be a girl. I don't know why I'm being such a sexist. I think a 16 year old boy that yeah. is, is getting into fighting and perhaps is training. I think he would look at a He should look at a man. If he's, if he's aspiring to be a fighter, he should look at a man and go, God, I want to be like that. Right. You know what I mean? I, I don't know, but whatever. But yeah, we'll see what's next for her. I, I, I don't know what you do next. I don't know what you do next, but we'll see. I mean, that's where, that's where it gets hairy as far as you know some of these fighters are saying i'll go somewhere else if i don't get the money here she's of course not worried about the money she's doing it because she wants to fight and but if there was anybody who's justified in going somewhere else just for competition if fighting's what they want she may be that may be her own choice yeah yeah you're right um i i said on the last one she could retire now and i i believe that now more than ever that but that that's, 32 that's, years old that's what i was saying that's that's what hurts me is because you see the excitement in her eyes and stuff last night after that win she's still so invested in this and to think, not have you know to have a, a ceiling on top of her yeah i think a lot of the joy you saw in her last night was because it's so close to her child being born you know, her wife's her wife you think? Nina Ansaroff, who is also a UFC fighter, right, is pregnant. They're about to have their first baby, so she dedicated the win. She wanted to win for her wife and her soon-to-be child. So I think a lot of the excitement you saw last night was because of that, mm-hmm. and that's beautiful. Again, makes me like her even more. You know what I'm saying? It's just it, it. There are so many she. There are so many likable things about her. I don't know why it doesn't reach the mass appeal. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, she gave me another reason to just really, really love her as a fighter and as a person. Like I said, she, maybe she's just too nice. <laughs> I, let I me, know that's weird to say, but I, people don't want their fighters to be so nice. Let I, me tie this whole episode back around to the very beginning. Uh-oh. You put Amanda Nunes in the same situation with that guy with her kid. Do you think the first thing that she does is pull her cell phone out and start videotaping? Fuck no. That guy's in trouble. <laughs> he's dead. That guy's having hands laid on him like he's never felt before. I don't know if that guy... Well, let me tell you this. I know that guy's never been in a fight before because he wouldn't behave that way if he had. But, yeah. No, that guy's that guy's getting hands laid on him and he's getting fucked up. No, she's not pulling out her... That's a terrible idea. Both her and her wife are fighters. That guy's, that guy's getting destroyed. That's the worst thing that guy could... I think they should go to that bike trail in Maryland and hope that guy's out on the bike trail. <laughs> um, yeah. Talk about something that you mentioned to me off uh, before we started the podcast about these drive up performances. So I don't know if, if many people are doing it, but I know I heard Bert Kreischer saying, talking about it on a podcast the other day where he's doing drive up, uh, 
live stand-up. I think he's doing like, don't quote me on this, but I think he's doing like North Carolina and Kentucky and Oklahoma maybe. And I, there's like five or six dates I think that he named. And uh, he's, it's literally like going into a drive-in movie. So anybody who's never been to a drive-in movie, it's a big screen out basically in the middle of a field or wherever you're at. You stay in your car and you t- tune your radio into a certain radio station and that picks up the sound of the the right. uh, the movie. Well, it's going to be the same concept, except for Burt Kreischer is going to be standing on a platform in front of that, just like if he was in a theater. And, I mean, yeah, that's that's you're going to be able to hear his comedy and stuff through your, you know, through your car radio. I think it's a really cool idea, and a lot of comedians are behind this, and they think that yeah, this is this could be something. But that's got to be. I mean, I understand that they'll probably have their windows rolled down. But comedians feed off of that energy, and you can't. You got to imagine the energy's not going to be there when people are sitting in their cars. Like you're going to hear some laughter because they're probably going to have their windows rolled down and stuff. But I don't know. It just feels like it would be hard to do. It'd be hard to feed off of it and make good shows out of it. I think for some people, yeah. Uh, but for guys who play bigger places, I've heard a lot of them say that in those bigger theaters and stuff, they can't hear the laughs anyway because of all of the acoustics in a big place like that. Like oh, it's really? just a wall of sound. Yeah. Yeah. They've definitely, uh, they've definitely said that. I, I think, it, I think it'll work for some people. And then I think some people won't be able to do it. I was going to question if you were really explaining what a drive-in theater was to people. Uh-huh. But then I just realized if anyone who's under the age of, I don't know, whatever, they might not know. Yeah. But they've seen it in a movie before. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how I'll, I don't you, I don't know how popular they are. But I was really I was really gonna I was really gonna lay it on you for. Are you really explaining what a drive-in movie theater is to us? But that's fine. I don't know how popular they are. We have one around us. That's probably about a half an hour away from me, which is like it's out in the boonies, out in the middle of nowhere. I don't know like our drive. Well, our, like up in your around your area, are drive-in movie theaters a thing? Like, are they popular? No. I don't know, even know where one is. See, exactly. <laughs> so, have, so somebody living, so, life, so somebody so. who grew up in your area might not even know what it is. They know what it is, man. Okay, whatever. Like I said, they've seen the movies. Well, if they um, didn't, they know now because I explained it. <laughs> well, that so that's that's an interesting concept too. Like, I wonder how well that will work for bands. Now, I have heard rumors about this. Is this a thing? Like, is it legit happening for bands? I don't know. I didn't know about this until you mentioned it an hour ago. Mm. Uh, I didn't hear about this. So I think it's a great, I think it's a brilliant idea. Um, and I'm behind it 100%. I hope bands, I hope, I don't see why bands couldn't do that. A little bit odd watching them from a distance, but you're hearing the music. I, I, it'd be no different than going to a big amphitheater and sitting on the lawn. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I, which I hope that's true because I, I got, I got, I got something in the works. Maybe I'm in some talks with some, with some, with some, with some dudes. That cool. might be. I hope so. I, I it's just talk. But okay. I, if that does become a reality, that makes me excited. If what I'm in talks with actually happens, don't get. I'm not getting my hopes up. So you shouldn't either. I don't even know why I said anything. I probably just ruined it. Is it? I mean, is I this? Is this something it. that you can tell me off of the off air? Maybe, maybe. But maybe. I, I did want to. Maybe. Um, but I did want to bring up, um, so there's like a live stream going on. Uh, it's like a human rights live stream where pe- 
people are going to be talking about uh, what we can do better as a society with human rights and things like that. But it's a really cool uh, live stream that's happening. That's ha there are a bunch of like big big name bands taking part in it and big name uh, people being involved. So I kind of wanted to throw it out there, and it's happening on uh, June fourteenth, so next weekend. Okay. But um, Ice T, uh, Keith Buckley from Every Time I Die, <clears throat> Matt from Trivium. Um, you got guys from Terror, Stray from the Path, Senses Fail, Four Years Strong, God Forbid, Bad Wolves. I mean, the list goes on and on. So I, pretty cool, pretty cool concept. I don't know as far as I, I just read this before we started, but I don't know as far as music goes, if they're going to be live streaming any music. But I think it's a cool conversation, uh, especially if Ice-T is behind the dialogue. I think that's if there if there if there's one guy who I'm interested in hearing speak on this, it's him. I mean, we're talking about a guy who once put out a song called Cop Killer. Right. And then he's played on one on TV for the last 20 years, and he's played one in movies. <laughs> so, listen, I think people call him a hypocrite, but I call him a genius. So I'm going to listen to him. So you say live stream. Is this in – this is like everybody live streaming from different places? So this is like a big Zoom video? Uh, I would imagine, but the, it's it's – I guess it's still being put together. But um, go out to just uh, – go out to Loudwire for those of you that – are interested you can go out to loudwire you'll find it it'll, it'll give you all the information so I, I think it's a cool idea and you can <clears throat> basically you can give a donation and then they're doing like a raffle <clears throat> they'll accept a ten dollar or more donation it'll put you into this raffle where you'll you'll get you know music gear merch from the bands all this stuff so it's cool i think it's a good idea nice i'm behind it so heck yeah i don't know. uh so real quick before we uh close down the do you follow Gaslight STL on social medias? Yes. Have you noticed the rooftop concerts they've been doing? So I saw something and I wasn't sure if it was a reality, but so they actually are doing that. Yeah, they've done them in the past, back before everything went haywire also, like the last couple of years. But yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure here lately they've been doing, uh, setting up the band on top of the roof and then putting out chairs and tables and stuff in the, in the uh, parking lot. I, th I think it's a pretty cool idea. And that they're doing it right in the middle of, like right in the middle of the hill in St. Louis. It's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Um, yeah, I saw something. There was It wasn't a performance. It was just, the, it was a, a shot of the tables from the rooftop. I, I wasn't sure if that was real or not. Um, so I, I'm into that. I would like, actually like to go do that. That'd be cool. Before we go, I've been drinking out of the water out of this pint glass. I want to give a shout out to, uh, ferguson brewing company oh hell yeah this is, uh, it's from ferguson so i want to give a shout out to them what does they that need, say they... ray hills ferguson missouri ray hills yeah ray is the guy the brewer oh okay ferguson. gotcha so, nice yeah. anyway uh for those that don't know i won't get into it go go look them up they they need support right now right being in the ferguson community uh so anyway absolutely they were they were they were the victims of uh looting so you know we won't get into that, that at the end of the show this this will go on for another three hours so <laughs> anyway all right let's get out of here do it oh <laughs>